Last Chance is an organization designed by Christopher Dunn. Chris is in a prison in Missouri serving a life sentence without parole for murder. I really don't think Chris did it. He showed me some of the evidence and he's on the website for the injustice system, injusticesystem.org, theinjusticesystem.org. He also has a, a website that I set up for him called Last Chance. And if you go to his webpage on the injustice system, there will be a link to Last Chance. Chris is a good man been in prison for 14 years. In the following in tracks, he doesn't say he's innocent. He doesn't say he's guilty. But he's not trying to prove his innocence in these recordings. He's trying to help the young people take the right road and not end up in prison where he is. He's letting them know what prison is like. He's letting them know that they have to change if they're headed towards prison. Chris is a good man. And hopefully he'll be out and he'll be able to see his dream come true where he will be starting in a center for youth to help them find the right road through life. Thank you. I'm speaking to you today from the 12 by 8 the valley of the beast living man's hell a man of walking dead where time knows no boundaries where every day it's just another day. But every night is the time in which you can only sit and contemplate and dwell off the past live your memories. I'm speaking to you from prison inside the state of Missouri. A place that no one want to be. Where your loved ones can vanish, poof and disappear like a ghost in the wind. Or shake like the leaves from the tree. It's sad, but it's my reality. I sit here every day, and I wonder, when will that day come? When will I be released, or when will I die? It's all I have to live for. Visits, it's a thing that can haunt you forever and a day. Even though it's a time in which that you pray that could come. But after they visit, you wish that you can walk with them. But it's not it's not a reality. I'm not here to sit and drill you or to put any fear within you. That's not my attempts nor my goal. It is only my desire and my wish as well as my duty to inform you of the life that you bound to face if you make such a mistake in life. 
Life is not guaranteed to anyone, especially a long, prosperous one. With life, we all have a difficult situation to deal with. We all have our own burdens, our own problems, our own situations, our own misfortunes. This just happened to be mine. You see gain that's ran every day on the street, but in jail, it's ten times advanced. You see brothers playing brothers, and sisters playing on sisters. But the sad part about it is when you play on yourself, when you allow yourself to think that this can't happen to you. I'm not gonna sit here and downgrade no religion and no organizations. But I will sit here and tell you what you're bound to face if you don't wake up. I wish that I had woke up years before this. But after 14 years, I wondered if this is just a nightmare or if this is my reality. I'm tired of dreaming if this is. And if this is my reality, I wish that it end. You don't know how many times that a person can wake up in one day and wish that they never did. Not until you put your feet in my shoes. Not until you live this world. In life, there's two worlds. The life that you make and the life that was born for you. The life that was born for me was not mine. It was something to which that I did not ask for. But I had to live it. But this life here, I had to make it on my own. Myself as well as many others came to prison before. And they sat down and said some of the same things that I'm saying to you today. I've seen so many young brothers commit suicide. I've seen so many young brothers get killed in prison. And sad to say, I've seen so many get executed. Prison is nothing but living hell. It's almost like chess to a degree. It's a thinking man's game as if you play it right. But who's the victim? You're the victim. Your family the victim. Your children. And anyone that cares about you. But you have an option. You have a choice right now. To make your mind up. To put both your shoes on the right feet. To step on the right path. It's your choice. It's not mine. I can't live your life for you. Only you can do that for yourself. Your mother, your father. They told you many a times. That's if they were there. Your brothers and your sisters. They probably set an example for you. But if you care about yourself, if you care about your family, you can take heed to what I'm about to say to you. Just the other day, they were about to release a little brother. The brother lost his mother in prison. He lost his father. Brother been in jail for the past 28 years. 
After 28 years in prison, what do you got to go out there to? Your family that died, your girlfriend, she got a baby, not yours, not including the three that she already had. The girl that you meet while you're in jail, it might last, but it might not. But eventually, they all leave, and you got to grow up, you got to go alone. That's what life is in prison. It's a lonely, sad world. So what some do to break the mahogany of this institutional life? They become a part of the system. Some become rats. Some become homosexuals. Some just give up and lose their mind while the other they commit suicide. I'm not as strong as some. I can't commit suicide. Besides, my religion is against suicidal attacks, against self as well as others. My religion will not allow me to lose faith within myself as well as it. So I try to stay strong mentally, but emotionally I hurt. And there's not one man in this world that can't sit down and say they haven't cried. No matter who they are or what they profess to be, we all men, we do cry. Some people say gangsters don't cry. Trust me when I say this. That's a myth, but that's a lie. I cried many a times in my sleep. I woke to the days of many a tears in my eyes. I walk down on that dark mile and still I cry but I try to keep a smile on my face to hide it but still I can never escape the reality I can never put past that fact when I was growing up I thought I was everything to the world I just knew I was you can tell me nothing. You can tell me I was right. You can tell me I was wrong. I believe that what I said was law. And I believe that there was nothing above me but God. But I was wrong. Not to say that the law of this country was above me, but the law of nature. Well, how so blind was I? And how so wrong could I have ever been? Believe me when I say this. I lost everything. There's no way in the world that I can get it back either. Some of it I don't want back. But just like many brothers in prison who, who stay for long periods. They become so used, so used to this that their bodies, their mental mental concept it adapts to this life so they run game on you any pen pal they get any female they run into them and it's sad some guys may not like a particular race of people but they'll sit here and lie run game just to get a dollar just to get a visit some people would tell lies on their own mamas 
Some people would tell their own mama lies just to get a dollar. And it's sad because morally, I don't understand them. They have no principle. They have no pride. But that's the life of the joint. So many of you young brothers will someday get that opportunity to experience this penitentiary life. If you're not prepared to deal with it mentally or emotionally, then I advise you to wake up right now. I advise you to turn around. I advise you to complete school. I advise you to leave the drugs alone. I advise you to put your head on correctly. Because there is not one brother in this institution that has no problem with telling you to correct your mistake before your mistake get corrected for you. I wish somebody would have told me that before I enter these doors. Will I sit here and tell you that I'm innocent? No. Will I sit here and tell you that I'm guilty? No. That is not the point. That is not my reason for asking for this opportunity to speak to you. We go through life thinking with a one set mind and a one set goal. And that's to get ahead by any means. But we don't look at the consequences behind what we do. Everything in life has a consequence to it. You may not want to face that fact. But we all have to face reality sooner or later. It's just like time. You can allow time to get away from you until you're doing time. And once you're doing time, time is something in which that you can never escape from. Like the time that I'm doing. It's sad that somebody had to lose their life. It's sad that another mother had to cry. But don't blame me for your problems. I see some of the brothers come to the joint saying, because my OG was doing this, or my OG was doing that, or my big brother did this, or my big sister was doing that, that influenced me to do the things that I do. That is ignorance. If you live to a concept or a creed as that, then you're just as ignorant and foolish as the person whom in which you gloat about. I don't know no great leader who done a foolish thing or any great leader who misled their people or great leader who went against their morals and their principles. I don't know not one great leader who would sit here and tell you face to face do what I tell you to do or face my consequences of it or deal with the family I don't know no great leader that will lead you blind was I a great leader? no because I'm here if I was a great leader I doubt it very seriously if I'd be here today speaking to you if I was a great leader, I wouldn't be doing this bit that I'm doing. Because a mistake like this would never have been made. It's sad, but most of us claim to be innocent. 
most of us claim to never have done anything to deserve such a fate. I may not deserve the time and wish that I'm doing now for this conviction. I may not deserve that. But I look at the little brothers and sisters who have come up under me and see them committing crimes. Crimes of which they'd have done in broad daylight for the world to see. I may not be guilty for the crime that I'm locked up for now, but I'm guilty for the crimes that I influenced the youth of today to do. How many cigarettes have you smoked today? Have you ever thought about it? Ask yourself, why is it that you smoke cigarettes? Some people got some of the most lamest excuses. <laughs> some of the most silliest reasons. I don't fault everybody who smokes cigarettes. Because I smoke cigarettes myself. But after sitting down and thinking about it, and actually allowing myself to draw off why is it that I do smoke cigarettes and why is it that I I couldn't quit smoking cigarettes some people would say man I grew up in a household where my parents smoked cigarettes or I was around my homies or my partners and they were smoking cigarettes so I decided to smoke cigarettes I took a couple hits of it and I liked it but it's just like drugs. Somebody hit that joint, pass it along, you felt that buzz, you start to tweak it, and it felt good to you. It's just like cigarettes. I started smoking cigarettes when I was 11. I can't blame it on my parents for smoking. Or could I? You see, I couldn't go to sleep until I smelt a cigarette and that drew me even closer and closer to that pack so I started smoking my father passed in 1989 with prostate cancer and watching my father shrivel up just watching him sit there before me and deteriorate I wanted to blame every tobacco industry it was out there but I couldn't blame them because my father chose to smoke. Even though my father knew later in the years of the cause and effects of smoking a cigarette, still it was beyond his control and it was too late for him anyway. Even though Surgeon General didn't warn you prior to the 90s that Cigarettes can cause lung damage, cancer, high blood pressure. They didn't tell you that before then. But I'm quite sure Surgeon General knew. But they were blaming on the tobacco industries for not informing the buyers, which is very hypocritical. It's just like saying, here it is, you got a guy in a certain religion say you can't mess with a woman in a certain religion. 
But in jail, you mess with that woman. Irregardless of what your religion say. But still you do it. You call yourself running game. But that's hypocritical. And it's just like the tobacco industry. We got hypocrites in everything we do. But it was too late for my father. Watching my father pass, it took a lot from me. And we have a great percentage of dying before our time, before even God allowed. Some of you say, well, man, I'm in the streets every day anyway. So I'm going to die anyway, either by a bullet, by a car hitting me, or somebody might stab me to death. So why not die of cigarettes? Don't be so ignorant. Don't be so unconscious. Don't be so foolish. Don't think like that. I wish that I can go back in time when I was 11. I wish that I never picked that first cigarette up. I wish there was some other way that I could have curved that desire or found that pill that'll make me go to sleep and ease my pain, ease my little suffering. And I'd have never have picked that cigarette up. You smoke a pack of cigarettes a day. Trust me when I say this. You will die before you reach the age of cigarette, 60. You smoke a half a pack of cigarettes a day. Trust me when I say this. You will die before you're 65. You smoke one cigarette today. And you done already start the chain reaction of cancer setting in. Lying dormant within your system. Allowing your body to deteriorate from the inside out. Cancer is just like AIDS. There's no cure for it. You may be able to isolate it here or isolate it there. You may be able to freeze it here or to freeze it there. But once you took that first hit off that cigarette, it's like all life is. It's inedible. Death is inedible. You're bound to face it. But you found you're bound to face it sooner before your time. And you young brothers and sisters not understanding this. And that, that, that was upsets me at times. Yeah, who am I for you to upset? I'm nobody. But I grew up just like you. I lived in the same household as many of you. I just had brothers on crack, brothers on water, brothers tooting teas and blues. I done had sisters doing the same thing. I done had sisters that was alcoholics, sisters that was druggies. Sisters that stayed out in the streets all night. There was times in which my mother wasn't there. There were times in which my father wasn't there. But you can't blame your situation or your future on what somebody else did. And that's our biggest problem of today. We're quick to blame somebody else. And we have a tendency of failing to, re failing to face that reality. When you go home today, do yourself a favor as well as me. 
Look in the mirror and ask yourself, do you want to live to be a hundred? And what would you do if you got the chance to live to be a hundred? If you got the chance to be a hundred, don't you know you would see your kids have kids and their kids have kids? You will be a great grandparent. You will have many experiences under your belt to pass on to the next generation. You have a long, beautiful, and prosperous life. There's nothing cool about smoking cigarettes. There's nothing, trust me. And if you think for one minute that just because you got that cigarette between your finger or dangling from the tip of your lips that that's cool, trust me when I say this, man. It's not. And I've seen so many young brothers today who smoke cigarettes. They try to use their teeth whitening and stuff. They try to file their teeth down and try to shade it off with a little sandpaper. <laughs> but man, look, if you don't want your teeth like that, then stop smoking. Cigarettes don't do nothing but eat away the enamel inside your teeth. That's all it does. It helps build up the bacteria inside your saliva. And it's your saliva that helps strengthen the enamel that coats your teeth. So by you smoking cigarettes, building up bacteria in your mouth, you're doing nothing but contributing to an early stage of gingivitis or tooth loss some form of tooth decay will occur trust me I'm 30 something years old now I say 30 something because I have a thing about my age but I'm 30 something years old now I still don't have a cavity I guess I caught my situation before it even erupted into something more major than what it really is. I don't do drugs. Not because of what my partners was doing, but because I had brothers and I had some sisters who did drugs. And I didn't like what it was doing to them. And then by me being in the streets, I knew that I had to keep a cool head about myself. I knew I had to rely on me and only me. I could depend on no one else because I didn't trust people. And because the life that I lived, I knew I had to stay on my P's and Q's. Sometimes it's your best friend that you think is your dying running mate, is your homie, your down to earth dirty dog. But he'd be the same person that has potential to bite you. As if you want what you got bad enough. And I seen that happen. So I couldn't allow myself to be leery of such. So I refuse to allow myself to use drugs. It's the same as alcohol. I had a sister. Her name was Valerie. And Valerie died when she was 46. It was like 1995 in the quiet today. 
My sister just completed her AA plane. Just graduated from the course. After drinking for like 30 something years of her life. And I love my sister. My sister gave me three. Three beautiful nieces. And I love them, the girls. And they heard that my sister died on a on a highway being jackknifed by a truck and not wearing her seatbelt. And come to find out her friend that was driving, that she put her life in her hands, that she trusted to drive. She killed my sister because she was drinking while she was driving. Well, my sister Valerie, if she was my greatest influential influence that made me understand that by drinking alcohol and driving at the same time wasn't a thing to do. But it was because of her behavior growing up, watching her take herself down, watching alcohol deteriorate her body. It was made me not want to drink alcohol. I love my sister and I miss her, but I thank her dearly for the lesson that she taught me. I know you want to live your life. I know you want to have fun. I know you like drinking. I know you probably like smoking up some weed every now and then. But man, listen, you got to make your mind of what you want to do in life. You can't go to work and get a good job and you're an alcoholic. You can't. If you're an alcoholic, man, you're going to fall asleep at work. Sometimes you might not even show up at work and you're going to get fired. Then you're going to get depressed. You're going to slip down into that mode of depression. You're going to start drinking heavily. And that alcoholic bottle is going to turn over and start talking to you. I'm talking about take another sip. Take another swig. Hit me one more time. And by the time you get hit the last time, who knows? You may either be killed in a quiet accident or someone may kill you in a quiet accident. And my brothers and my sisters, y'all are not looking at this because you're not looking at the long term. Think about it, man. Life is too short and it's precious. While we got it, we need to hold on to it as long as we can because the moment that you blink and turn your eye, you can just lose your life just that quick. When I was growing up, I used to see alcoholics on the street. They just get their check. Can't wait to go cash it. Soon they go cash it, they go buy the bottle. But they ain't paid their rent yet. They haven't paid the little light bills or their car notes. And they'll walk out the store with that bottle, take a couple hits. And I've actually seen brothers follow alcoholics from the store. And I've seen them get robbed. I've seen alcoholics fight and stab each other to death. I've seen alcoholics who used to be good men, used to be good sisters, good women. 
who turn out to be either the prey of the night or the predators. And they had a good job, but they just couldn't leave that bottle alone. And that bottle became a downfall. Start sleeping on the streets, start paying, handling for any little piece of change they can get just to keep warm with that bottle in their hand at night. And they lost the house, and they lost the car, lost the kids, lost the wife, lost the husbands. So they feel like all they got now to live for is their bottle. I done seen some actually commit crimes just to come to prison to get away from that bottle, to get away from them drugs. But you don't have to do that if you want to get away from it. All you gotta do is have your mind set. All you gotta do is be strong, be determined, be willing, and be forthright with yourself. All you gotta do is just reach out and tell the next man, dig, but I need help. No matter if you black, no matter if you white, no matter if you're a native of this land, no matter if you're Hispanic, we all are brothers, man. We all are brothers and sisters. You can't be racist, nor can you be prejudiced towards the next human being. And if you fail to sit there and ask the next man or woman for some help, and you know that you need it, you deny yourself your life. Don't do that to yourself. Think about it. If you don't think about what I said, think about how my sister passed away. And I love my sister dearly. And I'm gonna miss her. And if you do the same, if you go out there and you do that with that, that dope or that bottle, your family will be sitting down saying the same thing that I'm saying. That I miss them. How many of you young brothers and sisters or mothers and fathers? How many of you young brothers and sisters want to see your child grow up and graduate from high school, get a nice husband or a nice, nice looking wife or to buy their first home? How many of you young brothers and sisters want to be good parents to your children and be able to provide for them? I know most of you all are. You want to be good parents to your children. That's why you do some of the things that you do. That's why you take some of the risks that you take. I know you're saying that you sell dope because there's no other job out there that can pay you what you think that you need to support yourself as well as your family. But there are. You just fail to take that opportunity to utilize what you got upstairs to do that. Man, education is a beautiful thing. Just think, there was a time when blacks couldn't even have an education. There was a time when which we were not even allowed to read a book. But I know blacks and I know some whites who can't read and who can't write. But you can't blame that on Department of Education. Because they give each and every person the opportunity now to grab hold to 
the education or to take advantage of the opportunity to get an education. Brown versus Board of Education. It was a Kansas City case in Missouri. And it opened up the leeway doors for a lot of us to desegregate the public school system. When you think about Little Rock, Arkansas, when those children was escorted to school by the National Guards, you get to thinking, man, look how far we come in life. But we don't look at life like that. We want to take the shortcut through life. We want the GED. We want to sell the dope. We want to steal the car. We want to break in our house to provide. Because we think that it's easy. We think that it's a quick life. But we go through life every day, speeding past things that we missed along the way. Don't do yourself like that. Don't deprive your family like that. Yeah, the money may be good, but will it last? Where's the benefits? Okay, short term. You looking at it, it's going to do for right now what you need it to do. But when you get to think about pensions, graduation, you get to thinking about college tuitions, when you get to think about retirement, your 401k plan, you thinking to yourself, man, if I'd have known this back then, I'd have got a job. How you going to get a job if you can't read and write? How you going to get a job if you don't have that education? Man, you got to take advantage of that education, man. I'm not going to tell you it's not a good thing to have a GED because it is, but that's a shortcut. If you got an opportunity right now to go to school and complete the high school, trust me, it's a beautiful thing. I wish that I would have completed high school and got the opportunity to walk across that stage during graduation, take that little picture, hold my diploma in my hand and smile for the camera. I missed all that. I missed my prom. I didn't get a chance to do that. Because I was hurt. Before I came to prison, I was a part of something that I thought was meaningful. I wanted to revive my whole community. But for the powers that be, I was unable to do that. So I had to let go of that dream until later, not knowing that I will wind up in this situation here today. I just wish that I'd have stayed in school after my father's death and completed high school. But mentally and emotionally, I was torn apart. But it makes no sense for me to try to blame everybody else for my faults. I go through life every day, listen to the same thing. Lockdown, count time when you can and go to the kitchen you'll get tired of it too when they restrict your mobility to move you will feel that deprived you will feel that out of placeness there's nothing good about penitentiary I know most of you have partners in the joint most of you have brothers sisters or some form of family member in the prison system but you don't want to become a member of this family here. Trust me when I say this. It's sad. But those that you think that you're a family. Would just as well be your enemy. You may not believe it. You may have heard the penitentiary stories. You may think that it's good. Or you may think that everyone in the joint is so unified. 
Trust me, it's not. Blacks don't ride with blacks just because they black. Whites don't ride with whites just because they white. In prison, they build their own families. And their families that they left on the street, the families that didn't do nothing for them while they was down, they become estranged. You know, they kind of have a tendency of pushing them away unless they can get something that they have. I try to reconnect them back to the streets. But it's only a game in which that they kind you for. I'm not, I'm not saying that every inmate or every prisoner is a kind man or will try to kind on you. But every inmate and every prisoner, regardless if you share the same blood or not, they had a potential to kind you. They got the potential to run game on you. A game can't be ran on you, not unless you let, allow game to run on you. But in the prison system, game is ten times more advanced than it is out there on the street. Most of the game that you hear on the street comes from the joint somewhere, in some form. But here, they perfect the game. And just like in every game, there's a hunt. In every hunt, there's an objective. In every objective, there's a means and a goal. And you just very well may be their prey. I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I don't think that I'm able to cry anymore. I think all those emotions went down the drain 14 years ago. When I first walked through that door. Or better yet, should I say, the beginning of 2003. Tell me, how many times do you want to die in this life? Or how long would you like to live in this life? You only have one life to live, man. One life. If you sit there today and you think that you will be 60, 70 years old, but you still living that life that you're living, you still doing some of the things that you're doing right now, you can cancel Christmas for many years to come. You can cancel your birthday. You can cancel watching your children walk across that stage to receive their diploma during the graduation. You can cancel the thought of walking down, walking your child down an aisle or giving her weight to her husband. You can cancel the best part of your life that you will ever experience and it's growing up. Growing up in a free society is better than this here. Trust me, I say that. Even though you have AIDS out there and in her, even though you suffer to die out there and in her, but still, there's nothing like being able to wake up in the morning Seeing your wife, your girlfriend, probably your husband, your boyfriend, man, the next to you, knowing you got the security, knowing you got someone to snuggle up with at night, knowing you got someone that you can tell your fears, your pains, your sorrows to, and knowing that they will console you. It's nothing like being able to get up that morning 
and kiss your mate and see them off to work as you go to work yourself. There's nothing like knowing that feeling of being independent and not relying on that of another to financially help you. There's nothing like getting in that shower and walking out on your front porch and allowing the sun to gaze down on you. Hurt, you don't have that. All you have is 10 minute movement, lockdown, count time, main line. Do this, do that. You, your direct order, do this, do that. No smoking in the cell. There's so many obstacles in life that we must face. But you got to be strong enough. You got to be willing to meet those obstacles face to face. I'm trying to give you an opportunity to make a decision today. I'm trying to give you a chance to understand exactly what prison is what your fate just may be if you do not try to alter this course right now. If you do not try to alter the course of your fate right now, you're bound to meet this life. And this is a life in which I, I don't wish on my enemy. I see so many people come to prison, pedophiles, women abusers, Guys and girlfriends left them, they turn around and assault them or even kill them. There's so much, believe me when I say this, it aggravates me. But who am I? Who am I to judge the next man? Yeah, when I first came, everybody I seen done something to a child or done something to a woman. I took the law in my own hand and I thought that I'd deal them justice. Because it's one thing I couldn't stand. I couldn't stand someone who hit or beat on women. I couldn't stand somebody who hit, beat, or molest a child. I used to think that the person didn't deserve to live. I have my own personal opinions about certain things in life in which I still feel the same about a lot. Who am I to judge then? I'm not God. I'm not that anointed angel. I'm just like you. I'm a young man who makes the foolish mistakes in my time. But again, not because I'm, I committed a crime, but because of my popularity. Someone wanted an old trap out the way. There was a point in time one which many of brothers used to call me King Trap. I was the founder of a group that consisted of 342 people. My group expanded all the way to neighboring cities in the state of Missouri. We were not Crips. We were not Bloods. We were not Lords. We were not folks. We were just a solidarity brotherhood. I knew people here and I knew people there. And we just merged into one. 
we brought the inner cities together. Even though some people in the inner cities didn't agree with it. But still, we brought them together. I look now, I look back on those who came down that road with me. 20% of them has been killed. Another 20% is either on drugs or some form of alcohol. 10% of them are either crazy or using some form of drugs. Another 20% is in prison. 10% of them dropped out of school and have children. There's 5% that's living on the streets to this very day. No place to live, just vagrants walking amongst the living. But 5%, 5% out of 100, out of 300 and something people made it out the game. This is your last chance. This is your last chance to wake up and face reality. This is your last chance to think about exactly what it is that you're going to do with your life. Because if you fail now to take this opportunity, you're supposed to be next door to me tomorrow. Your last chance.